Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. We got folks already. That's awesome. This is your two old bloggers. We're going to be talking about what happened this week in Vikings land. First, we're going to talk about how We've had some uh, free agency updates. How crazy looks to be working around the fringes of that. What does that mean for 2023 and into the future? And then we'll close with a look at the linebackers in our State of the Vikings series. Next on 201. Vikings First and Skull presents... This week in Vikings land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. We're back. What I'm commenting on was Davey was talking about internet at the on the do line, and I was asking what <laughs> Darren was using. Speaking of Darren, how are things in the great white north? Good, Dave. Um... In between watching March Madness, I've been trying to keep up to date on uh, on what the Vikings are doing because they are still active, and we're going to get into that. But it's all all good, interesting stuff. Uh, trying to figure out what Quasi's up to and uh, how successful that's going to be for the Vikings in 2023. Well, it seemed to slow down just a bit this week, um, which is sort of good. But they they haven't stopped. There was plenty of moves made, and we're going to go over those. First off, I want to welcome everybody that's joined us so far. David, Dick, Davey, Drewster, Chuck. Um, And I know there's more going to be coming. So let's get this started. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. And I forgot one slide already. Pre-made it. Um, that was not what I wanted. <laughs> and oh, it's been crazy week, crazy, crazy week so far, uh, with all the stuff I've been working on. But it is all good. Today we named this episode "Vikings Working the Fringes." You gave me the name, and we're going to talk about three of these individuals posted here. And we're going to get that going right now with theme one. Free agency updates work in the fringes. Well, Dave, when free agency started two weeks ago, 
everybody, all like all, all football fans know how that goes. That's uh, a lot of excitement. You get a lot of the, the bigger names get signed for the bigger money, makes a lot of headlines. Uh, everybody's like like getting all pumped up, thinking they're going to win the Super Bowl with all these free agency signings, and uh, and you know it's just a it's a real fun time. Uh, that's kind of like the, your first wave of free agency. After the first week or so, you kind of get into like the, the second wave, uh, and and the signings are lesser known names, and for signing usually for a lot, lot less money, and uh, and their signings are also not considered to be as impactful as uh, as some of the earlier ones, and and uh, and so it's it's still interesting, but not quite the buzz that football fans get that first week when the the first signings get out. But there's there's still, and that's where we're at right now with the Vikings, and that's like you said. It was a little bit slow early in the week, very, very, very quiet, Monday, Tuesday, even Wednesday. And then after that, we started getting <clears throat> signings of the guys, some of the individuals that you already had up there with Quasi Dofomensa getting busy. And really what he's working on is every every NFL team, you're not going to be all made up with stars. You need depth. You need backup guys. You need guys to fill special teams roles. You need guys to be solid starters, but not the super duper stars who aren't making all the big money. And that's what a lot of these signings were this week. You got to fill the 90 man roster one way or another. You got to fill it. And that's what he's been working on. First one we're going to talk about is Jonathan Bullard. Yeah, this was the the first signing we heard about. And, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not too jazzed about this one, Dave. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, when he got signed last year, I thought, oh, a camp body. Uh, he ended up making the team and being a starter for us. <laughs> but, you, you know, I, if, if you, when you think about Jonathan Bullard, what was his most memorable play in 2022? I really can't remember any. And that kind of sums up, I think, that's why I'm pretty meh about the move. But I also understand, because I, I think at his age, 29, uh, he, he is what he is, what he is at this point in time. He's a, he's a replacement level player, but again, uh, you need to fill out the, the 90 man roster and not every guy that you're going to have as a backup or even as a starter is going to be an all pro. Uh, that's just the way, it, that's just the way it works. And I can see why the Vikings signed Bullard. Uh, he started for them last year. You know what you're going to get with, with him. Uh, he's a veteran. He knows the game. He's got lots of starter experience. And on the defensive line, you'd already lost Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, you lost him. You need um, you need depth. You, you don't. You need depth. You don't know if James Lynch. When you look at the snap counts, James Lynch outside of Harrison Phillips, uh, you don't really know what you're gonna. How impactful the rest of the guys on your defensive line are going to be? Is this Aze Otomoweo? Is he going to take a leap? We don't know. James Lynch is he going to take a bigger role on the team? We don't know. We can't be sure of that. So the Bullard signing again is depth. Uh, he gives you a little bit of insurance, a little bit of veteran experience, and maybe he doesn't even make the team if some of these younger guys, you know, uh, like show that they're ready to take a bigger, bigger snap count bike like Otomoweo. Uh, maybe he's ready to really take the leap, but but that's you know that's my feeling on the Bullard signing. Somebody was talking about below. He's just a guy, and he is just a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but again, you need you need you need guys sometimes. Yes, <laughs> and, you do. Uh, and the, the the Vikings were comfortable with him. Defensive line coach Rumpf has a long relationship with Bullard, uh, so 
you know, uh, I'm okay with it, but it's nothing that blows your socks off. And Bullard's not going to cost you very much. He's probably getting paid. We haven't seen any of the financials on these things, but he's probably getting the vet minimum or or not much more than that. So it works that way. Um, Now the other guy, you just put him up. Another signing Mm -hmm. was CJ Ham. CJ Ham, no financials on this. We we did hear that he got a two-year extension. Uh, Yes. And probably has likely lowered his cap hit this year and pushing some of that space, you know, cap stuff and financials down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the, the the ham signing, when we talked about the running back situation a few weeks ago, Dave, I said uh, he's a likely cut candidate because you could save about $3 million in cap space by getting rid of him, and you didn't really use him all that much last year. Why would the Vikings re-sign C.J. Ham and, and, and actually extend him when he only played 171 offensive snaps last year, which was – uh, well below what he played from 2019 to 2021, when I think he averaged around 350 offensive mm-hmm. snaps. Um, but he did play about 375 special team snaps, and that's that's the kind of the thing with three of these four signings outside of Bullard. I think Matt Daniels had a little bit to say about these mm-hmm. signings because all of these guys, Reader, Ham, and um, sorry, and then uh, Brandon Powell all play large special teams roles. In fact, CJ Ham, I think he was ranked pro football focus had him ranked. I think as this, the top special teams or second ranked special special teams guy in the NFL. And he had, yeah, like you said, 300, well over 350, 360 special team snaps. He was their special teams captain. He played on all the coverage units and uh, punt kickoff return and coverage. So a lot of special team value with CJ Ham. And that alone can sometimes be enough to, to keep you on a team if you're a really good special team player because it's important to have good special team players, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dave. The other thing is that's also been speculated is that um, Kevin O'Connell talked about at the Combine, I believe, about how uh, the Vikings got to look at ways to combat what defenses were doing to stop Justin Jefferson in the passing game last year. And, and uh, one of the ways is he's looking at, and this is part of the Josh Oliver signing too that we talked about last week, is like playing bigger, playing bigger, uh, bigger personnel. Bigger fronts. They're, bigger they're fronts. moving away from 11 formation, probably going to 12 and 22 man formations, um, where you're, you're going heavier and, and you're going to create mismatches that way. We, at the moment, do not have a true wide receiver number two. TJ Hawkinson is filling that role as a tight end, but we don't have a true number two wide receiver. Will KJ Osborne step up into that role? Maybe. We don't know. So, But going heavier causes problems, and it's, you know, and like I said before, all four of the final teams going into the, uh, your – AFC and NFC championship and then the Super Bowl played heavy formations and it causes problems. Their people are built around, you know, an 11 where you got three wide receivers out there all the time. If you don't, especially if you don't have the wide receivers, go heavy and it can cause problems. And this may be part of it. And you may see two tight ends and a fullback on the field and one wide receiver. We know who that is, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. And it still could cause problems. We know C.J. Ham can catch the ball. He does a great job at it. He had a great, it was like 10 yards per catch last year. Um, He's got great hands. 
throw in moving TJ Hawkinson to one side, having um, the new was it Robinson on the line as your extra tackle, and you can cause all sorts of nightmares for defensive backs. Yes, they'll be able to keep up, but will they be able to hold up is the question. And as David Rinaldi says, keep moving the chains. If we do that, we're going to be good on offense and, at least. Yes, and so that part of the the hand getting the extension is that he may have a larger role in the offense if the Vikings are going heavy more like you were talking about in 2023 than he had in 2022, in which case – signing him makes sense because CJ Ham is a load when he's blocking. <laughs> you, you can you watch a game, you pay attention when CJ Ham's in the in the in the game, he is pancaking guys on a consistent basis and I, and I love seeing it. But uh, a guy that plays 171 offensive snaps, it does in the past. It does make you wonder like why keep a guy on the team if you're going to use him that little. But Ham may get used more like he did in previous seasons when Zimmer was here this year, if if what Kevin O'Connell is saying is true, and like you said, there's a bit of a trend now. NFL teams always follow what's successful, and if the Chiefs and the Eagles were very successful, and they were, you know, running the heavier stuff, uh, other teams are going to follow that. Even a team as pass happy as the Vikings were last year, right? And and we know Kevin O'Connell comes from two coaching trees, both the McVay and the Kubiak tree, and this is leaning more Kubiak. And there's nothing wrong with it. We know Kubiak works. Kirk Cousins, our quarterback, which isn't in our notes, has his best seasons under the Kubiak system. So it may be a win-win all the way around that Kevin's doing that. But you know Kevin's going to be, quote, multiple. And he's going to show a lot of different stuff and run a lot of different plays off the same formations. And and I think this this is... especially with the offense bringing most everybody back, this is going to be the next step in growing all those multiples and differing and causing headaches. I look forward to this season on offense to see how these guys do and the difference in how KOC is planning to use. Indeed. Another guy, uh, Moving beyond C.J. Ham, another offensive signing the Vikings made was Brandon Powell, a mm-hmm. former Ram, and uh, he's a guy who's a he was their main kickoff and punt returner last year for the Rams, and also served a bit of a gadget role for a bit of an undermanned uh, wide receiving uh, room with Los Angeles after they didn't uh, they didn't re-sign Adoyle Beckham Jr. because of the knee injury, and then Cooper Cup got hurt midway through the year and didn't play again. So, uh, But Powell's an interesting guy just because uh, I think that this signing makes it uh, – uh, puts Jalen Rager's roster spot a bit uh, up in jeopardy. I don't think that's going to cause any uh, Viking fans to, to cry <laughs> if <Yeah>. Rager, <laughs> Rager wasn't made to make the team, but, but – uh, that Powell's not going to return kicks for us because Kenny Wong was going to do that and do it right. very well. But uh, but Powell's a guy. Jalen Ringer was just okay as a punt returner last year. Mm-hmm. And Powell, yeah. if folks folks will remember, 2021, he had that one punt return at the bank against the Vikings that kind of broke our back in that game. And, uh, and so he might be the guy. He might be our punt returner next year, along with the fact that uh, he might – you would think so, but he might actually be a little bit more useful as a wide receiver. He had 24 catches with the Rams last year, uh, 17 rushes. 
Whereas Rager was, I think, eight catches and four rushes, and he barely played. So um, I think Powell was used more than maybe the Rams like because of their injury issues at the wide receiver position, and they didn't have much other than Cooper Cup. But I, I think Powell's a guy that, um, you know, if Rager doesn't pull up his socks and there's no been no indication in, in his three years in the league that he's going to do that, that he might not be a Viking in 2023, and Brandon Powell will be. Or at least we, we have both. I, I view Powell as probably the end of the wide receiver bench, yes. but he's going to be fighting there with Rager and whoever else. Jalen Naylor. Yeah. And those guys. So, But he's got a leg up when it comes to punt returns. So all he's got to do is beat Rager. And Rager, I've, I've said for years, as a punt returner, you need a minimum average nine yards on return. Rager was, I think, 8.8. .8. It was eight something. But it was below my... Punt returning Mendoza line. If yes. you remember the Mendoza line, that's a scoring versus defensive scoring line that we made up. Um, but for punt returning, it's you got to make at least nine yards. And Marcus Sherrills used to live beyond that. We haven't had one since that can do that. And hopefully Powell can because Rager hasn't demonstrated it yet. So we'll see. It's going to be fun to watch in camp. It will be. Um, outside of Powell, Bullard, we've talked about the C.J. Ham extension, and another ex-Ram who got signed this week and uh, and was a charger last year is linebacker Troy Reeder. Um, another guy that played, he can play all special teams units, so he's got a lot of special teams value. And uh, he also has um, lots of starter experience. He had 25 starts combined in his four previous seasons. Didn't really play at all last year with the Chargers on, on the defense after uh, starting 10 games the year before for the Super Bowl champion Rams. But uh, he's never had really very good grades, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, as a linebacker in the NFL. But he does have starter experience. The Vikings' depth at linebacker, and we'll get into that a bit later, is not uh, robust. and. And I think that, uh, and this signing also indicates that Brian Asamoa is not going to just be handed one of those ins the inside linebacker job. He's he's certainly, I think, the starter right now and the favorite to win it. But Troy Reader is in there to give him some competition and make him earn earn the starting job, which is fine by me. But uh, again, and then hopefully uh, like, he earns it, and Reader will back him up, and we've got good that's quality right. depth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you said. Got to fill up the ninety man uh, ninety man roster, and not every guy is going to be an all pro uh, with your backups. <laughs> Otherwise, they'd be starting. So, hey. <laughs> yep. The those are the four signings this week. I think it's also important to talk about a signing that the Vikings did not make, and that is the Duke of Shelley. <laughs> Duke. I didn't do a slide for him, but the Duke of Shelley was offered vet men, reportedly, of $1.2 million by the Vikings. He ended up taking $1.3 and going to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think some fans might be saying, well, why would he go to the Raiders, who were kind of a shit show last year, uh, and then leave the Vikings for 100000 bucks, basically, when he probably had a good opportunity to to at least compete for a starting job 
with the Minnesota Vikings, who also don't have a lot of depth at the quarterback position right now. They don't even have a full full complement of corners <laughs> on on the roster right now. But uh, but I think when you're Duke Shelley, who uh, less than a year ago had been waived and wasn't sure that he had a, uh, thought his career might be over in the NFL and he wouldn't be getting any paychecks in the NFL ever again. Uh, a hundred, an extra hundred thousand dollars is not insignificant. Um, so I'll, I'll never, I'd uh, take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll never begrudge a guy for taking extra money if he can get it. Uh, he doesn't have to give the Minnesota Vikings a discount just because they signed him and started him. But uh, the, the other thing that uh, probably more importantly is that the Vikings could have matched this, I think, and they chose not to. And I think that's partly the value that they place on Duke Shelley. He was excellent last year when he played, but you can't be sure. But he's never showed that level of of play in his previous three years with the Bears. Now, mind you, they had him, I think, mostly in slot a lot of the time and not in the outside, whereas the Vikings played him only on the outside last year, and that proved to be a really good fit for him. But the thing, other thing about fit is that the guy pictured Brian Flores – uh, the system he's going to run, man heavy press. Duke Shelley is kind of more suited for the zone kind of deal. And he likes so, to give a cushion and recover yeah, and use yeah. the sideline um, as his ally. I would have loved to seen Duke Shelley become a good nickel uh, in the slot, but it just, the times he's tried, he hasn't been that good at it. And he's better on the outside. The one thing that Vegas gives him versus Minnesota is most likely he's got a starting position locked up in Vegas because they're they're hurting for corners worse than we are and yeah. so I can't fault him that and he'll get to keep a little bit more money because there's no state taxes in Nevada so good for him yeah um good for him and uh, but on the Viking side of things if again if they really wanted to keep Shelley uh, they could have offered 1.4 million. Uh, they're mm-hmm. they're under the cap. They're under the cap now. It would and, but this just tells you, I think, indicates what a lot of people were thinking when Flores signed on is that a guy like Duke Shelley, a guy like Patrick Peterson, wouldn't have as much value to Brian Flores because of the type of defenses he runs and the kind of things he likes. Uh, he expects his cornerbacks to do. That's why Byron Murphy is here because he's much more suited to man and press corner and getting into, into uh, wide receivers faces. Now uh, Duke Shelley, not so much and also a lot smaller than I think you want your press corners to be. And that's, I think those are the main reasons why he isn't a Viking right now, but it does leave last week. I was saying, you know, I, I, I thought, I hope that the Vikings would work something out to bring him back because we need another veteran corner. Well, Duke Shelley is not going to be one of those veteran corners. Uh, we're going to have to find some other guys because right now the cornerbacks are, we got five of them, I think, under contract right now. And that is not a lot. Five or six, and you got to go with at least 10, minimum 10 in the in the cornerback room. And that could go up to 12 of the 90-man roster. You You need that many. To, to fill out and figure out who you've got. It's it's going to be rough. Uh, Davey says a lot of teams are hurting the corner. Yes, they are. It's- Which is strange why guys like Marcus Peters and Rocky Singh, who we talked about last week, are still on the market out there. Uh, and when, like Davey says, uh, when teams need corners, and these guys I think can still play, but why they're not signed right now? Are they asking too much? I, I can't imagine there isn't a market for their services. But 
They're still out I don't there. Know if everybody's looking for that island quarter, corner, they are rare. It's there isn't that many of them, and I don't know if it's you know there's a bunch of wide receiver schools out there that are, and we're getting so many good wide receivers out of college. We're, they're starting lineman schools. Lineman schools have been rolling for about coming on about I think five years now, right? Growing up, I wonder if there's some corner school somewhere. You know, that some of these guys would take advantage of if they could, you know, dial in. I want to be a corner. I want to be um, Deion Sanders. I want to be Charles Woodson. I want to be, name it, uh, Revis. If If they could do that and build them up, because there seems to be, it seems to be almost as much hit and miss as quarterback. Not quite as much, but there's a lot of missed corners that are taken in the first round, second round, that you would think would be, hey, this guy's going to develop into somebody really good, and they don't. Um, No, and for the Vikings, it doesn't matter what round they pick him in, they uh seem to be a miss. Mm -hmm. And it's it's, everybody everybody needs – you can never have enough, as Zimmer used to say, and there's, there's a reason for it. There is. Well, that brings us to the moves made this week and rotates us into theme two. We're looking at what do all these moves tell us about 2023 and beyond? Well, this is the big question, uh, big picture question, Dave, on Quasi Dofamensa has been on the job as Vikings general manager now for, what is it, 14, 15 months? Yeah, not, well, I mean, he got hired last January, uh, January 2022. Yeah, so, um, yeah, a little over. He's going into his second year. He's going into his second year. but uh, So we've got some, some data on him, and particularly in free agency. And uh, I think that uh, – but – at the beginning of free agency, Dave, like when it started, the league year started, the Vikings immediately, they, they released Eric Kendricks and then they released Adam Thielen. And those were expected moves. But, the, uh, the, you know, what was getting talked about, what we talked about was that, oh, hey, wait, you know, the Vikings, the bloodletting is here. They're going to start, Quasi's starting to going to get rid of all the aging uh, vet guys that Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer either drafted or coached. And and he's going to get rid of them. They're going to move to the Quasi and, and the Kevin O'Connell roster mm-hmm. team, and and so that meant that guys like Harrison Smith, um, Dalvin Cook, um, even Patrick Peterson, who had been signed the year before, but he'd been signed by by Spielman, and I'm sure that uh, he'd been signed by Spielman, and and even C.J. Ham. Those guys who are getting a little bit longer in the tooth, and some of them had pretty high cap hits that they were going to be gone as well. And uh, I think that, um, but that hasn't quite happened. Hitman took a a restructure and took a pay cut to stay with the Vikings. Mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook and is, (laughs) is still here. And so is his 14 million cap hit, at least for now. (laughs) And CJ Ham, and CJ Ham, we just talked about, he's signed an extension. Uh, He got an extension. Mm -hmm. He's still with the Vikings. So the Vikings haven't like completely called the herd like we were expecting. They've kept some of the guys from the previous regime. And, and I think that uh, you know, what that says about 2023 is that Quasi, after the team went 13-4 and four last year, wins the NFC North, 
And Quasi knew that the fans weren't going to accept like taking like a step, big, big step back by going with the youth movement and shedding a whole lot of cap space and go ending up seven and 10 or six and 11 next year. Um, and maybe the, I, probably the Wilfs wouldn't, weren't okay with that either. So <laughs> some moves had to be made and the, the two obvious ones were getting rid of Kendricks and getting rid of Thielen. They did that. Uh, they got cap compliant, but he's built a team by making some other moves and keeping some guys that he still thinks still has value that uh, they're making a move where they can compete for a playoff spot and a division title in 2023. Uh, and yeah, in an NFC competitive rebuild is what he said last year. And you're seeing it even more this season. It looks like. And the NFC North is not stacked. Like Rogers probably Rogers is not coming back to green Bay. He's going to the Jets. Uh, yeah, or he's not the, playing. The, or he's not playing. The bears are rebuilding. And the Lions look like they're getting stronger, but who knows? Uh, was last year a mirage or not? Uh, I don't think so, but but we'll see. But the and NFC they may North get is Lamar there. Jackson, or yeah, and the, the NFC North is there for, there for the taking. And Quasi uh, Dofamensa has made the move so far, where the Vikings are have not significantly weakened their roster and gone with a, a full on youth movement. Uh, they're they're trying to be, like you said, competitive. And maybe even trying to be competitive without doing as much of the rebuild <laughs> as, as you would you would think. Um, in the free agency side of things, the signings they've made, particularly the Marcus Davenport, the Byron Murphy, and then the Josh Oliver signings, and and some of the lesser ones like Troy Reader, we talked about mm-hmm. uh, resigning Bullard. Uh, like I think that they like the, the common theme there is that Quasi is not making any big financial commitments to anybody in the free agent signings that he's made so far. Um, he's just, the, the cap hits are pretty low for 2023. He's added a lot of void years to a lot of contracts. Uh, but the financial pain, the financial commitment to these guys is, is not that great. And really a lot of these contracts are after one year, if they don't work out, the Vikings can get out of them. Just uh, with it. There are a lot of prove it deals. Yeah, that they can get out of them and they're not going to really be, um, hamstrung, in 2024 and beyond, if Quasi feels that they need to make, you know, more significant moves to, you know, get the Vikings to where they want to go, which is the Super Bowl. Uh, but the other thing about, particularly with the Davenport, Oliver, and Murphy signings is he's gotten guys at reasonable cap hits, not a lot of big financial commitments, but he's, those guys, there's, there's question marks with them, right? Mm-hmm. All three of those guys, like they've got holes in their game, whether holes in their resumes, whether it's injuries, uh, maybe not as great uh, play on the field as would have been expected when you look at their draft position. But uh, they, again, their best football could be ahead of them because they're young, they're still in their athletic prime and you're getting them at a reasonable cost. So there's a good chance that those guys, if they work out, that, that they're going to outperform their contracts. And that almost never happens at the first wave of free agency. Like if you're signing right. a Terrell Edmonds for $60 gazillion, Terrell Edmonds will never outperform that contract. He'll underperform it. <laughs> now, he might make your team better, uh, <laughs> but, but – But will uh, he outperform and, his contract? No. We're getting good deals yes. on young guys with plenty of upside. and if if they hit, they're easily outperforming their contract, getting the little extra bonus money at the end of the year, and we're good to go to go. 
all right, we're keeping you for 2024. You're going to be part of the team. If you underperform and there's no valid reason for it, it's like, thank you for your service. Bye. And that's the way it's going to be. And I, that's smart. To me, That's it's a smart approach, especially since we didn't have a, a ton of money to spend. We had to get rid of money so that we could get under the cap. And I think he's being very efficient at how he's going about doing some of this. Jordan and says we're not taking a QB in round one. It depends how the board falls, Jordan. Honest, it depends how the board falls. It does. I think like uh, when people – when you look at some of the grades to free agency so far, like uh, the, the Vikings have gotten some pretty solid grades from, mm-hmm. from some outlets and then some bad grades from others. But I think when – when those folks that gave them bad graves look at it, they're like they're looking at the name that that was that the team signed and the amount of money that they were signed for or reportedly signed for. They're not taking into account, okay, what was the team's salary cap situation <laughs> when they were right. making those deals? Mm-hmm. And and again, are you going to get good value for your money, or are you going to get a good return on your investment? And I think that's got to be taken into when you judge free agency and you judge Quasi Dofamensas. Uh, his strategy in free agency. And I agree with the cap that we have. And, and he is not again, hamstringing the Vikings for 2024 or 2025 with these signings. If they don't work, he can recal, he can rejig and look to get other guys that he thinks will help the Vikings get to the Super Bowl. If these, if Marcus Davenport can't, if Josh Oliver can't, if uh, Dean Lowry can't, but uh, with the salary cap we had, I think in, Quasi Dofamensa being an economics guy, he knows there's a lot of fool's gold and free agency, and he is not playing that game. Now, I, I guess a good question, a fair question is in future years, 2024, 2025, and this is where you get into like the longer term side of things, is he going to continue to do that, that free agency strategy, that strategy with roster building? I, I think that Quasi's a guy that he'll take it. Uh, you know, case by case, he's not going to be rigid like Ted Thompson was with the Green Bay Packers, where Ted Thompson was always draft and develop, uh, draft those guys, develop them, and then re-sign them if they if they prove out. And if they don't prove out, I'm going to just draft a whole bunch of more guys. Uh, Ted Thompson very rarely went into free agency to build the Packers roster. Charles Woodson was one of the few cases where he did that, and that worked out pretty well. But most of the time, Ted Thompson did, didn't play in the free agency market at all. I don't think that Quasi Dofamensa is going to stick to this uh, all the time in the future where he's like being very much going for uh, low financial risk, high talent upside in his signings. But as for the past two years, I think that he's – you know, you know, he has done that. Zadarius Smith was one of those cases last year where he took a guy coming off a very injury-riddled year and signed him for a pretty friendly deal for an elite pass rusher, and it and it worked out for the most part. Um, and you see him doing that again with Marcus Davenport. You see him doing it with Byron Murphy. So um, it's it's funny you talked about the competitive rebuild. Like a, I think that Quasi is kind of trying to what he's doing is like keeping the Vikings competitive without having to completely rebuild all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's an intriguing strategy and I don't like, you've talked a bit about it a day, but what do you think Quasi's vision is for the team from what you've seen in the, in the year plus that he's been general manager? Well, first off, I do believe they 
strongly believe both him and KOC in that championship competitive quality team. They want to get there and they want to stay there. Now, they knew they had to get a lot of dead weight off the roster, and dead weight being a lot of dead cap off the roster. They're in the process of doing that. Last year was the experiment, bring everybody back, make sure it was the Spielman-Zimmer regime that caused all the failure. They did that. They won 13 games. Everybody's happy. It was great. And then we went one and done in the playoffs. When everybody's going like, yeah, we're not good enough really to compete against some of the best teams. So I think the Wolves game, all right, now let's do your plan. Let's try to stay competitive, which they're doing, but we're going to start getting shedding some of that extra weight. It's like me and my big belly. I would love to shed some of my big belly and uh, get healthier so you can do more. Right, I don't need to be carrying an extra sixty pounds around, right? That's basically what they're doing. They are getting in shape. They're shedding that dead cap. They're getting in shape for the goal is next year. It's not a fast process, just like dieting isn't a fast process. You've got to work at it. They are working it. It's. I think it's the the way they're going about it is extremely efficient. They're making smart moves. They're not busting a bank for some humongous name out there that, like you said, will never overperform their contract. They are making wise moves. Now, they've got some moves yet to make. We know that they want to extend. We all want to extend JJ for his entire life, right? We need to figure out a deal with Daniil Hunter because Daniil Hunter isn't going to pay play for $5 million, even though he signed that contract. Um, something's got to be figured out there. They need money to do that and figure out how to do that. I would love to see Zadarius Smith, and we'll get into this in the next segment, stay on the team because the first nine games, he was outstanding as an outside linebacker. Uh, then he got hurt. I would love to keep him there. He may be being set up for Possible trade bait. We'll get into that. Dalvin Cook. Same with him. He's gone under his shoulder surgery after having, uh, they said, a broken shoulder for three years. Well, guaranteed if it's a bone floating around, either it healed wrong or then they'd re-break it and set it, or they had to do something to set it and make sure the shoulder stays in the socket. Um We don't know how it's going to come out. Hopefully it comes out great and he returns to his previous self, but I I don't see it. But however, we're spending a boatload of money. He is not outperforming his contract. He's not even meeting his contract. So um, we'll see what happens with both those guys, and we'll get into it uh, when it comes up to the draft. Are they trade bait? We don't know. Could be. We will find out. Hunter because of his $5 million salary, may be trade bait as well. We'll find out Dan is just mentioning that it is an option. I don't like it. I think Hunter's the better of them all, all of them. Um, but it's, it's a possibility. And it all depends how things happen and flow as we get closer to the draft. We talked about, I think Jordan was saying he wants to go D-line as the first draft pick. 
I said, and not to take quarterback in the first round. I said it depends all on all on how the board falls, right? Who they fancy and how the board falls. They're going to go for the best player that they think will be best for the Vikings. And if that takes trading some people to get some positions to move up, stay the same, or if they fall down to them, they're going to do that, whether we like it or not. You could you claim, hey, we need a quarterback. Well, we've got one starting corner. One. Right? Evans Booth may be able to start corner. Who's playing nickel? The only one with any nickel experience is the new guy. Byron Murphy. Yeah. And so it's it's gonna be interesting to see. Yes, David, I know Hunter's twenty nine. Defensive ends usually play good into their uh lower thirties. But it, it all depends on who they're looking at to get, who who's the apple of their eye in the draft, and how that draft board falls. You know, we heard Brandon Hooker or Hendon Hooker last week. And there was and Vikings Twitter sphere went nuts over Hendon Hooker. There's some that said, Yeah, it's a great move. Others said, No way. Right? And then yeah. At the end of the week, it was, well, Levis is falling. Why is Levis falling? Well, he lacked this and he lacked that. Well, he's a big guy, dude. He's, what, 6'3", 6'4", typical NFL prototypical quarterback size, and he's got an arm that will launch a ball forever. But it's the rest of the stuff that makes you go, all right, is he a first-rounder? Is he going to fall? Do we like him? I mean, there's words that we do. That you know, Kevin O'Connell knows him and is real invest. Who knows what's going to go on? Whether they pick a corner, whether they pick a, you know, a good five tech defensive interior to match up with Harrison Phillips, right? Somebody that can actually push the pocket and not just be a run stopper. We don't know yet. We'll find out on the draft. It's it's going to be interesting. To see where they're going. But I do like the fact that they seem to have a plan and they're working the plan. Right? It doesn't seem like it's all seat of the pants stuff. There's no panic moves that I've seen so far. No, oh my God, we got to trade for this kicker from Baltimore that can punt and kick together. And <laughs> it absolutely sucks. And then a few years later, oh my God, we need a defensive end. Let's trade for this kid from Baltimore and play him four games, and he sucks. Right? It's um, you got to plan, work the plan, evaluate after that. That's got to be the way they go. I think Quasi is smart enough to do that. I think he is doing that. I think he's also smart enough to evaluate. You know, all the information he can get. And that's only going to make that plan better. In the military, right, I was a master logistician. I did war plans in my senior part of my career. The one thing you know that, first off, plans never survive the first day. They're just the <laughs> initial stepping point off, and then you've got to deal with it and modify. But the more you think and the more you plan, the more questions of what if, what if this, what if that, the more in those plans you could figure out when something unusual does happen, the more likely are you are to react properly and efficiently. And I think Quasi takes 
a very similar approach. It's the what ifs, what if we do this, what if we do that? Evaluate all those. How does that affect, if I do this here, does it affect this player over here? Does it, how does it affect the cap in the next year? How do we do this? And I think he thinks that through. I'm seeing that in how all this is working out, where I never saw that with Spielman. Right? Spielman's mm-hmm. big deal was, oh, I can't wait till the draft. I'm going to trade down and get every pick in the seventh round. Right? <laughs> um, and to me, what Quasi's doing, I think, is the best way, and I think in the long run works the best. It's going to yield you the most success over the long run, and we want that. We want more and more success until we reach the final prize. It's, I think, I think we hired the correct GM, and I think him and the pairing with KOC and how he he envisions the offense to run and the whole team to function and how they both think the team should function. I think we are we're doing good, but I think it's they have a plan. They're working the plan, and I have no reason to distrust it as of this time. Mm-hmm. The one plan, the strategy I, we're all trying to figure out is what is the strategy for quarterback, but uh, long term. But uh, that's uh, something we'll get into in the off season as well. Yep, Davy said plans in the military never work out as planned. Yes, uh, the first change on it. You have a plan, and then that's the stepping off for the first deviation because everything changes and everything's dynamic. And I'd rather have somebody who can think out the more majority of options than some young butter bar lieutenant that suddenly his head gets up in, in the up and locked position, as we used to say in the Air Force. Um, yes, I think we're doing good. Now, Mateo, if Quasi could actually draft, um, yes, the last draft was disappointing, but you got you got to give drafts time to ferment and grow. You can't go necessarily, you know, hey, a first rounder's got to be a starter, second rounder's got to hopefully be a starter by the end of the year, third rounder you hope get some, you know, some starter contribution, fourth rounder hopes should be a special teamer. Blah, blah. you can't always go by that especially when you throw in injuries, you know, fluke injuries. It's just, you can't. And and then take the positions. How long does the position take to mature um, and get good? You, you got to figure that all in. Takes alignment, like I've said, three to four years to get it. And you've got to ride out those early years. A quarterback, quarterbacks seem to do better if they sit the first year. Well, how many rookie quarterbacks have come in and been absolutely ruined in their first year because they're told to start? Uh, I mean, you could list tons of them. And that's questionable if they had the talent in the first place. So, but they would have had a better chance if they got to sit behind somebody for a little bit and learn. It's, you never know. Yes, we wanted to see scene start. We wanted to see boost start. All that sort of stuff, and we didn't. But I'm not giving up on last year's draft yet. Me neither. I will say it will be very concerning, though, if Seen, Booth, and Asamoa uh, shit the bed this year. Yes. When they, then, it, when they, then, then you're going to be like, 
that draft is looking very likely to be a huge bust for Kwesi Dofa. But I think, yeah, way too early after one dra- one year to say that uh, Kwesi Dofa doesn't know how to draft. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, and he will be judged on that. Uh, fans and, and people who cover the team do not forget your draft picks and who panned out and who didn't. Ask now, he could use the excuse it was Zimmer's scouts. You know, he didn't get his together, but we'll find out. I mean, he still had some influence on that and the overall final say, I would assume. Um, so we'll see. That brings us to theme three. And thanks for the wonderful, lively remarks by those that are watching. It's been fantastic. Keep them coming. Theme three, the linebackers. And there are all your linebackers. And as you can see, that's a pretty big room. It sure is. We're getting into getting down to the last few units in our off-season positional analysis, Dave. Uh, and linebackers are what we're turning to this week. Um, for the Vikings, some linebackers they we got right now, as it stands on the roster, three of last year's four starting linebackers are on the team. Um, Jordan Hicks is back at inside linebacker and one of the starting positions there. And you've got Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith currently are on the team at, on the outside of the edge. Eric Kendricks is the only starter from last year who was not back. We know he signed with, with uh, the, the Chargers last week and good luck to, to Eric. And I wish him all the best, except when he plays the Vikings next year. Yes. <laughs> I hope he sucks, sucks bad in that game. But, um, <laughs> I think uh, with the first with the linebackers and the starters right now, Dave. Uh, like the first question for me anyway is, what's up with Zedarius Smith? We know he's not happy with his contract. We know that he was ready. Or I don't. I didn't see the latest, but he was ready to put his house up for sale in Minneapolis. Oh, he sold City. it. It's sold. Yeah. Oh, he sold it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that, I hope you got it. That might help him a little bit in his revenue. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think that that is a guy that. That's a big question that has to be answered. Uh, he wants a better contract. The Vikings do not seem inclined, seem inclined to give him one. And even if they were, they don't currently have the cap space to do that. Um, so that they gotta, they'd have to work. Something has to be worked out there personally. And I know I'm pretty sure that you agree, Dave, is that uh, when we signed Davenport and we got Daniil Hunter, I'd love with Brian Flores on board as our defensive coordinator, I would love to have Zadarius Smith back. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though he trailed, even though he trailed off badly in the second half of last year, I think him, Hunter, and Marcus Davenport would be a very, very juicy trio who would create just, a lot, I, create a lot of misery for quarterbacks. Yes, it and would. Uh, and and what Brian Flores could do with those three guys, whether your Davenport comes in to rotate Hunter or Zadarius sometime, or you got all three of them on the field on obvious passing downs. Uh, it could be a, a real, real productive pass rushing trio for the Vikings, and really help that defense take a step uh, in the in the in the right way to improving on last year's miserable performance. Right, and rather if we don't find that five technique uh, defensive interior guy, defensive tackle that can push, if you can bring in somebody like Davenport on the side, moves Darius somewhere in the middle, and Hunter on the other side. And then have somebody stuck in the middle because Phillips will probably come off. But even if he stays on, 
You've got much more of a dynamic pass rush from your front, from the big guys, than we've had in quite a while. And I, I that's why I'd love to keep Zadarius there and to see those three guys and how Flores would work it, because I think it'd be fun. And- it would be. Um, however, I... I said before with these with, with these segments is that uh, uh, there's what I would like the Vikings to do and there's what I think they will do and what I think the Vikings are going to do at Smith is they are not going to keep him. Uh, a, I think he's one of the, our most valuable trading chips and that everybody needs pass rushers and he's a guy that's proven that he can still rush the passer and at an elite level when he's healthy. Uh, teams that's going to be attractive to teams. So uh, and the Vikings need. They need extra draft capital themselves. I don't think Kwesi Dofamensa is going to be comfortable with just five draft picks going into this draft. And Zadarius Smith is a is a trade chip who could get you some draft capital. Uh, and again, he's not happy with his contract. If you trade him before June the 1st, you save $12 million on your cap space. That could also help deal with the Hunter contract situation. And uh, And you've also got you know, you've also got DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones II, who are backups, who I think the Vikings are comfortable with as backups. And you've and you've signed Davenport, who can slide into Zadarius Smith's spot. So there's a lot of reasons why I think that the Vikings are before the April uh, draft occur- arrives that Zadarius Smith will no longer be a Viking and will be traded for draft picks. Uh, and for those reasons, uh, that's not what I want to see happen, but I think that's what, what's going to happen. Uh, I hope not. Mateo asks, do I want a big guy we should trade back and then take Saki? Um, Saki Ika, to me, it looks pure nose tackle type, fill the middle. And right now we have Harrison Phillips there. Yeah. I, I don't see them going for Ika, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll find know. out. I mean, he's he's obviously a plug. He's a big man. I think he was like <laughs> three eighty. He's close to four hundred. He's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, if Smith isn't there, uh, you know, I don't feel he will be there. So uh, your outside starting guy is going to be Davenport Hunter. Um, I guess potentially a trade candidate too. But if you have traded Smith already, you're not also going to want to trade Hunter. Trade mm-hmm. and, and you're and you're and again that having that cap space could give Quasey some running room to make Hunter happy and rework his contract for a guy who is probably thinking, Hey, last year I played all every game. Uh, I had 11 and a half sacks. If you include the playoffs, um, I need a, you know, I had to learn a fucked up system under Ed Donatel. Uh-huh. Yeah. I need to like, a, I, I think I'm, and I've got better football ahead of me. I can still be productive. I, I need a new deal. So get, when you trade Zedaria Smith, you could, make something happen there and keep Daniel Hunter happy, which I think is important. Um, so th- you'd have Davenport and Hunter. I think those are going to be the outside guys when the season starts on the edge on the inside, Jordan Hicks is back. I'm not particularly happy about that. Uh, I think that he was uh, a bit of a disappointment to me last year, but clearly the Vikings thought that getting rid of Kendricks and Jordan Hicks was just a bridge too far for them to replace both of your inside linebackers. So they made a decision and getting rid of Kendricks gave them more cap space uh, uh, by doing so than if they would have got rid of just Hicks. So they brought Hicks back 
The other thing about and Hicks, Hicks is that, wasn't terrible. Well, he wasn't terrible. He, he's he's a good tackler, uh, and uh, he just on pass coverage. Uh, that's where he really struggled. But you can work around that. You can take him off the field on passing downs. The one thing that he did excel at, and was underutilized, is that I believe Pro Football Focus had him rated as the the top blitzing linebacker in the NFL last year, or one of the top ones. Mm-hmm. Now, and Brian Flores is expected. He's going to blitz a lot, lot more than Ed Donatel did. So Jordan Hicks, if you're blitzing him more, and we expect that he will blitz more, you're utilizing a part of his skill set that he's very good at much more than Ed Donatel did, uh, which, again, maximizing the talents of the guys around you. That you uh, have. Maximize, you have. model the game for them instead of having them Work your system, square peg, round hole. In, in which case, keeping Hicks, uh, again, uh, having him do more of the things he's better at and less of the things he's not as good at, uh, that's, that may turn out to be, a, keeping him might turn out to be a good move and he'll have an improved year. Uh, the guy opposite him, we're assuming, is going to be Brian Asamoah, the second-year guy out of Oklahoma. Uh, Troy Reader getting signed again, as we talked about earlier, that means that Reader is gives him some competition. So Asimov is not just going to walk into the job and have it handed to him. But I think that it'd be really, really disappointing uh, if Asimov cannot win that starting job. Uh, it'd, it'd make you worry that Asimov is just not going to be a very good, uh, he's not going to be a good starting quality uh, a defensive player in the NFL, which would be very disappointing. But I'm excited to see what, what Asimov has got to do. That speed, that sideline to sideline range uh, ability that he has, uh, I think that Flores is going to really value that, and he's going to find a way to use Asamoah um, in ways that will bring out the best in him. So excited to see what Asamoah can do. I'm confident he'll win the starting job, and it, it's time for the Vikings to see what they have in Asamoah. After he had one year to get used to the pro game, learn the ropes, got a, you know, gradually got more defensive snaps as the year went on, but not a ton. But uh, I think he's ready for a starting job and uh, we'll get to see if he could be as good as we were hoping he was when we drafted him last April. Um, Beyond that, Dave, one of the things that you gave of the whole list of all of our linebackers Mm -hmm. on the team a little bit earlier. And the, the thing that concerns me, and this is actually, a uh, common thing with a lot of the Vikings positional units is uh, depth. And who are the young up and coming guys, the cheap young up and coming guys that could be ready to take a larger role, maybe even a starter role as an edge linebacker or an inside linebacker when some of the veteran players move on after this season or in 2024. And looking at that list, I'm just not seeing a whole bunch and that worries me. I, I, Kwesi Adolfamensa mentioned in particular William Quenku at the, mm-hmm. at the combine, but uh, but really, I just think that those guys. There's not a whole lot that stands out to me uh, as really uh, guys that you think it could be core players in the future. Like DJ Wanham, uh, last year at the beginning of the year, I I talked on a show several months ago that I thought that he was playing pretty well and that he was in line to get an extension. Right after I praised him, he pretty much disappeared. And <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault. It's, yeah, and and so I, I don't. I think this is his last year at the Vikings. I I think he he might maybe be the fourth 
uh, edge linebacker they use. I think Patrick Jones has moved ahead of him. The problem with Wanham, I think, is that he hustles, he plays hard, but he just doesn't win on his pass rush snaps, right? Like he, right. he's a guy, when he gets his, his sacks, when he gets them, it's, it's either because the play has been extended a long time because of coverage down the field. So it's a coverage sack that he's kind of walked into or somebody else created the, the pressure. Pushing the quarterback uh, over into him. Yeah, into him. Like he doesn't create that pressure and force those things and, and create the sack himself. Patrick Jones last year, after not playing at all as a rookie, you know, he got four sacks. He showed in a few games. The Miami game was one of them where he had a couple of sacks. Is he ready? Is he an ascending player? Is he ready to take uh, more of a, a snap count? I think he's going to get that opportunity next year. I just don't haven't seen enough from him last year to say that he's a guy that I really feel comfortable is going to be somebody who's going to be a starting edge rusher for the Vikings in 2024 and 2025. So I think the Vikings have a lot of questions at linebacker beyond the guys that are starting and, uh, and free agency wise right now, I think, I don't think the Vikings are going to add too many more veteran linebackers, if any at all, if they do, if they do sign one, it'll be somebody like, like a reader who's right. That's going to be depth. 90 man roster. I think 90 90 man man roster. Maybe he makes the team. Probably he doesn't. Uh, in the draft, the linebacker, the, the draft, the linebacker situation, I, you know, edge linebacker has been one of those things where it, there's, there's definitely a need for the Vikings there, an ed, edge rusher, particularly on the outside. But right now, I think it, the, the two big needs that I see based on how the positional lineups is with your starting, your starters in particular, is a wide receiver is, I think, somewhere we got to get a bit of a talent upgrade and, and cornerback, obviously. And I think if the Vikings stay at 23 and don't add more draft capital, wide receiver and corner are where they're going to look, even if they trade out of 23 and get into the second round. And I think they'd, their early picks are still going to be looking at corner, potentially wide receiver. I do think that this draft is going to be defense heavy, just like last year's Quasi Dofa, Quasi's uh, draft was just because our offense is, obviously stronger than our defense when, when you look at everything. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to look to address that with their earlier picks, I think, uh, on the defensive side. But guys like on the linebacker side, uh, if we do go early, there's guys, a few guys, um, Dion White from Georgia Tech, Derek Hall Keon. from Auburn. Yeah, sorry, Keon White. I was thinking Deion Sanders, but Keon White – Derek Hall from Auburn. Those are a couple of guys who are highly regarded edge rushers, but not top of the like top mm-hmm. ten guys like a Will Anderson is. But they're a little bit further down. Could go late in the later in the first, early in the second. If the Vikings were to trade out of the first, they could either. That's a guy. Maybe he's considered the best player available. Like Keon White is at twenty three. The Vikings take him because he's the best player available right there. Or if they trade down and get sort of a mid or early second round pick, maybe White or Derek Hall are still there. Best player they available. Pick they, take, they pick him up there. Uh, on 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 the inside, more things like some guys that have are highly regarded could be available early in the first or second. Uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas, uh, Simpson from Clemson. Uh, there's a, a you know an, another kid too, uh, Dain Henley mm-hmm. from Washington, from Washington State. These are all guys who are like very very fast, rangy. Linebackers have good pass coverage ability, but also can rush the passer. Maybe a little bit, a little bit light in the pants. Not the typical inside stout linebacker you'd be looking at, 
But those are guys that if the Vikings are looking for a linebacker earlier in the draft, those would be some guys to keep an eye on who could fit what Flores wants to do. I, I think the Vikings certainly, if, if they don't add draft capital, and I think that Koisi is going to, if they don't, I don't think that the linebacker, I think they, they'll still take a linebacker because those guys always are like core special teamers as well, mm-hmm. even if they don't. You need the linebackers. That That's something the Vikings might, they'll take a flyer on a guy in the fifth or sixth round. But if they add picks uh, and add draft capital and get seven picks or eight picks through the wheeling and dealing in various stages, then I could see them taking a linebacker a little bit earlier. And maybe you get a Simpson or a, or a, um, a, a guy like Derek Hall a lot earlier than, than maybe you would if you, you only had the five picks. And at 23, you got to take a corner because you only have one starting corner at the moment. Right. And a cornerback room that has five or six people in it, and you need minimum 10, if not 12, going into camp. Uh, yeah. It's, there's still a lot of work needs there. Final Mateo slide. does not like Simpson players. <laughs> it's it's all up to Quasi, and I bring this slide up again. Uh, looking in the mirror, being hard on yourself, being accountable for what happened, and finding ways to improve. We do that every day. We are doing that in an ongoing way. Why a championship standard is what they're looking for. So there's when we talk linebackers, like we did today. Yes, we have some good ones on the outside. Uh, whether you consider them edges, I do for the most part. Daniil Hunter's an edge. He should be used that way. Davenport's an edge. I look at Zadarius Smith can play edge, but he's better in the Joker role where it move around. And he's better because he's played that outside linebacker type. He's better in pass coverage. You have the inside types, Brian Asamoah, which is a quasi- Tweeter, linebacker, safety. I think he's good. Both will be good in coverage and at blitzing. We talk about Hicks being great against the run, great against blitzing. You have, imagine a combination of all those with a blitz-happy defensive coordinator, Brian Flores. And I think you can you can mix and match and make something pretty special in there. I think Flores has, he's starting to have all those ingredients come together. Do we need more? Yes, we do. We got to fill a 90 man roster. We got to fill a cornerback room. Yes, all that stuff uh, partakes. Do we want to get a big fat guy in the middle to replace Harrison Phillips? Ah, we don't know. Do we want a great five technique that could push the pocket? Oh, yeah, we'd always love that. Who wouldn't? Um, but is it absolutely necessary? I don't know. Are we going to draft linebackers? Uh, I see, you know. The back end, like you do, they're absolutely necessary for special teams. They make great special teamers. And if they develop, you've got yourself a gem. To me, it's crazy. He's got a plan. He's working a plan, and we're going to see where that board falls. So uh, we'll talk about do they move up for a quarterback. Mateo, I think, is one that says absolutely not. Uh, Mateo's stopped drafting uh, Clemson players. That's funny. it's yes, Davy, big pass rush and sacks can master deficiency on the back end. Yes, they work in tandem. More pressure you get on the quarterback, it makes life easier on the back end, guys. Uh, it makes them look better. 
they should be buying those edge rushers steak dinners. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see the route they go. But that is it for your linebackers. Who else have we got next week in the state of the Vikings? We'll be doing our last unit on the defensive side. I mean, we'll be doing defensive linemen next week, Dave. We'll take a look at that. There we go. For all those who want to talk about getting a great five technique or a new run-stopping plug in the middle at zero, join us next week for that one. Maybe Carter from Georgia with his yeah, – If he falls easy. enough. <laughs> falls, to, falls to 23, what do you do then? Uh-huh. No, that's big he questions. Was a, he was um, a consensus number one pick two months ago. Yeah, and it's fun to watch. That's what makes this this time of year sort of fun to watch because you watch guys, ah, oh, this is going to be the first guy off the board. And then something happens and he starts to drop. Yeah. Oh, no, we, we don't like this, sir. Anthony Richardson, he, he's down here. He can't do shit. And he has that fucking great pro day or combine and pro day. And he's like, oh, he's going to be at least the third quarterback. He'll be in the top three. And then you see Levis is a top five. And now Levis is bloop, 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 bloop. You know, and people are moving up and down, and it's oh, yeah. run by the fans and the press and what they're reporting and all this, and how we feel. We won't know until draft night. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though. It's going to be fun, and I can't wait to see what Quazy does this year because, like we've said before, he's only got five picks. Um, if he wants to move up, that's going to cost. Five picks and – if you stay at 23 and don't uh, do anything to move up, I think uh, the Vikings would have to wait 63 picks or something. Yeah, that's the next one's like first one, and then and then and then into the third round, which is a long, a lot of picks to have go by your way, a lot of players to go by your way before you pick again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's going to be fun. Hey, buddy. This was a great show. Thanks for joining us. And I want to thank everybody that's joined watching Drew, Davey, Ryan, uh, Mateo. Yeah, you guys absolutely rock, Davey. Dan showed up. That was awesome. Um, anybody I missed that hadn't hit already, we appreciate you coming. We appreciate him partaking, talking with us, and having a good time on your Saturday afternoon. We know you could be doing something else. But you're talking Vikings football with us, and we absolutely appreciate that. Any last words there, buddy? No last words. Uh, We'll uh, just see what the week brings us Vikings-wise. And it's bound to bring something. What do we say? We say, Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings! Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! Skull!